This is Coffee at KYUK, conversation between friends and neighbors. Come in and have a cup. Joining us for coffee this morning is Pamela Miller. She is the executive director and senior scientist with Alaska Community Action on Toxics. Speaking with her is KYUK's Steve Heimel. Welcome to you both. Oh, hello. Hello, Pam. How are you? I'm fine, Steve. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to talk with you again. Again and again and again. I was thinking back, and I think I may have been interviewing you for about 40 years now. (laughs) Oh, no, it couldn't have been that long. (laughs) Well, when you think about it, um, I, I came to Alaska in 1982, and I went to work for a commercial radio station, and uh, I remember there was a uh, uh, an incident, a benzene incident up, up in uh, Peters Creek, and um, uh, I called around to find out if people were concerned about. Uh, I mean, they they put out a health warning on the on the benzene in the water, and uh, I believe I talked to you about that. Yeah, could that I be? That now. <laughs> yeah, see, that's forty years ago. Oh my goodness. well i'm glad to have you well with us on this program we don't have very much time and when you get on the subject of plastics which is our subject um we're not going to cover near the amount of ground that we that i'd like to so i want to get right down into it um you are also involved with something called ipen do you want to explain what that is Sure. Our organization, Alaska Community Action on Toxics, is a participating organization of the International Pollutants Elimination Network, and this is a really strong network of over 600 uh, environmental health and justice organizations working in 120 countries to eliminate harmful chemicals and plastics throughout the world. And I have the privilege of serving as co-chair of, of IPEN. Wow. So now this is an international effort, uh, which sometimes you get international agreements, right? Yes, yes. And we're really thrilled that there is an effort underway to negotiate a new international and legally binding treaty on plastics, much as there was with um, the now Stockholm Convention on Persistent Pollutants, which aims to eliminate the world's most dangerous chemicals. And the reason our small organization gets involved internationally is that we've realized that while it's extremely important to work locally, nationally, uh, to eliminate these harmful chemicals that damage our health, these chemicals and plastics do not respect political boundaries, so it's really necessary to work internationally to eliminate sources that can affect us here in the north. So that would uh, then maybe get to the uh, you know the sourcing, the manufacturing, and uh, so so forth. But uh, let's turn to the consumer end. Uh, there's plastics in us now, as I understand it. Yes, yes, very unfortunately, and and as more new studies come out, it's um, really concerning about how these plastics can affect our health. They're in just about all of our organ systems, including lung tissue, blood, and and even placenta. So we now know that 
these plastics and the chemicals in those plastics can be transferred from a mother to her developing baby through the placenta as well through as well as through breast milk. Uh, it's just crazy to think this, uh, and, and you know, it, it sounds alarmist. Uh, maybe alarm is too strong a word. Maybe concerning is a better word if you want to try and uh, be proactive on this. But it seems so difficult in, in the world that we live in. Uh, I understand that it's not only just a matter of uh, the stuff that's in plastic vessels and so forth making its way into people's systems and persisting. I know about that, but there's also this business of the microplastics now, I guess, that, that are spread in the atmosphere. I mean, plastic renders down uh, to little, little tiny bits and, and, and gets everywhere and is everywhere and is now being found everywhere. That's, that's very true and, and extremely, yes, I would use the word alarming. I think we have a global plastics crisis, and the north and particularly the Arctic Ocean are hemispheric sinks for both chemicals and microplastics. And now the Arctic Ocean has the highest concentration of microplastics of any other ocean basin in the world, and these plastics are accumulating exponentially, which I think also speaks to the need for strong and, and urgent international act, uh, action to eliminate the sources of, of these plastics that are reaching our oceans. The production of plastics is, is also increasing exponentially, ironically, as the demand for renewable energy is increasing the use of fossil fuels for direct combustion is decreasing, but the corporations that make these chemicals and plastics, many of which are fossil fuel corporations, are um, kind of banking and investing in greater production of chemicals and plastics, which also uh, have devastating effects on climate. Wow. You were so uh, non-alarmed sounding about this. I, I don't know how you managed to... Uh, do this for so many years and uh, and not just throw up your hands and say, I give up. I'm too old for this anymore. Well, I I, I think knowing what I know, uh, I think it just compels me to to take urgent action and, and organize to the extent that we possibly can to get the corporations and the governments of the world to, to really take heed and recognize that this is a global public health crisis, and it's especially concerning here in Alaska because these microplastics are now found in the bodies of seabirds as well as many of, of the marine mammals that are critical for uh, traditional foods. So this, again, is, is a very serious public health crisis and, and one that requires action not only at local level, but uh, statewide, nationally, and internationally. Well, I think uh, well, when I went to visit you, uh, one of the many times that uh, I've interviewed you, um, you had young people working in that office. It does seem that uh, a lot of young people are concerned, that there is, there's, there's, there's at least a rising of concern and maybe something starting to be a movement. Yes, I, I do believe so. I think there's a global movement, and, and we do have a number of young people working in our office. We have 
interns from colleges uh, and universities every summer. And, and this is an issue of great concern, I think. And I'm, I'm heartened by the fact that organizations like mine and working for environmental health and justice are joining together in a movement to eliminate plastics. There's, there's a, another network that we're a part of called Breakthrough from Plastics, and this is another um, really strong coalition of people working together on this issue. Uh, can you tell me more about this uh, breakthrough outfit? Is is something that uh, people can join in? Yes, if you just um, they have a, a website, breakthrough from plastics, and also IPEN has a website, IPEN dot org. Yeah, I'm looking at that one right now. It's really very informative. Yeah, there are a lot of great reports. Uh, IPEN is focused a lot on chemicals and plastics because it's also necessary for these corporations to add many types of chemicals to plastic for color, for different properties like uh, flexibility and and persistence, really. And we now know that over 16,000 chemicals are added to plastics. None of them can be claimed or classified as safe. So this... And, and so that's problematic because plastics cannot be safely recycled because of all these toxic plastic additives. So that's another area of emphasis that we're working on to eliminate these dangerous chemicals and plastics. All right. So let's turn to the demand side of it, to uh, households and so forth. Um, I have this book called Plastic Free by Beth Terry. You probably know that one. It's, yeah. it's, been a, it's been a few years now, but uh, uh, it, I think it all still applies, and uh, now, there's, now there's more that we know. But uh, uh, where does a person even start? It seems you go, you go buy a package of graham crackers, and it used to be wax paper, and now it's got to be uh, plastic. You've know, you, 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 you got things that you can only get through Amazon, and they're going to have to ship, and they're going to have all this plastic. Uh, even even makeup has plastic, little teeny bits of plastic in it. It's like, how does a person even start? <laughs> and of course, that's what Beth Terry writes about in this book. Yeah, I think it's important to, for people to realize there are things that we can do in our daily lives. It is difficult to eliminate all plastics from our lives, but we can we can start with simple things like storing food and and. Um, Rather than using plastic, you can use glass and ceramic jars and stainless steel containers. We also advise people never to microwave food or drinks in plastic because those plastics then convey those toxic chemicals into the food or beverage. So use glass instead. Well, now, wait a second. It says right on the package, it says microwave safe. Are you saying that's a lie? I do believe it is. Yes, it is. Because oh, my God. Quite a few studies lately that show that these plastics are not inert, and they do release these harmful chemicals into, the again, the food or drink that you're microwaving. So this is a situation of better safe than sorry, and glass is a really good substitute for plastics in terms uh. of microwaving. 
I have a friend that flies and uh, lives in rural Alaska, uh, and she always has me freeze plastic bottles of water for her so she can take her own water onto the airplane, uh, saying that she uh, doesn't trust the other water. And I don't even know how to tell her that I don't think that's a very good idea. <laughs> Those plastic bottles aren't great for water in the first place. No, that's, that's absolutely right. And, again, if you can use water bottles that are stainless steel or even glass, that's much better because the water bottles also themselves uh, release toxic chemicals into the water and microplastics. Yeah. Man, Pam, you're just you're bumming me out here <laughs> this hour of the morning. I'm full of good cheer this morning, right? <laughs> I, I don't go to parties anymore because, you know, I just have this bad news. <laughs> no, really, yeah. I, I do believe yeah. that there are things that we can do, not only in our own households, these are just a few tips, but you can avoid harmful plastics that have the recycling codes number three. Those contain a harmful class of chemicals called phthalates, styrene, uh, like styrofoam, that's uh, recycling code six, and seven are the bisphenols that can also be harmful to health. So if you can avoid some of the most harmful plastics, that's really great. And also just to the extent possible, eliminate the use of single-use plastics. And a number of municipalities, including Bethel, have plastic bag bans. And I think probably one of the greatest sources of plastic waste in the world are these single-use plastics. So I think we can look in our lives at, at ways that we can reduce and eliminate those single-use plastics, which contribute so hugely to waste. Yeah, the, 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 I guess those are pretty much uh, the basics. Uh, and I can see, you know, working the the other end, that you're working internationally, too, to uh, just try and uh, get more sense applied to the uh, more environmental sense applied on the manufacturing and, and packaging ends of things. That it, Wow, it just seems so... Overwhelming, really. Um, yeah, it, it does. And and again, I think from our own homes to working for policy changes. And I'm actually optimistic that there might be legislation this session introduced to address microplastics and certain of the harmful uh, uh, plastics, such as styrofoam, polystyrene, and perhaps even single-use plastics. So yeah. we can fight for those policies, and it doesn't have to be at the international level. It can be at a local level, whether that's passing um, ordinances to address single-use plastics or state legislation. Nationally, there's legislation called Break Free from Plastic. And then, of course, uh, if, if people are interested, getting involved in the international negotiations on the new plastics treaty. Because I think here in the North we have, a particular stake in all of this because we are a hemispheric sink for these chemicals and plastics that rise on wind and ocean currents and contaminate our lands and waters and oceans. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. I remember they used to call that the uh, condensation theory. And uh, it turns out, yes, it really works. It's in the ocean, it's in the atmosphere, it's everywhere. It's simply the matter of the a matter of the temperature, really, that, that uh, 
they're drawn they're drawn to the colder climate <laughs> and and they yeah. do end up here yes and i think some of the latest research also shows that because the north and the arctic are warming at a rate nearly four times faster than the rest of the planet this is also exacerbating the problem of chemicals and plastics in the north uh, sea ice for instance is is a is a place that sequesters these chemicals and plastics. So as an example, when sea ice melts, these sequestered chemicals and plastics then get released into the ocean, often in places that are most important ecologically, of course, but, but also critical places for traditional fishing and hunting. Well, Pam Miller, on that note, we're going to have to close the, the, the episode. Maybe we can get together again and do an update. Thanks for talking to me. Oh, you're very welcome, Steve. Take care. Thank you, everyone. All right. So long. That was KYUK Steve Heimel speaking with Pamela Miller, the Alaska Community Action on Toxics. Join us tomorrow for coffee to hear about the Ute Basketball Association's Hall of Fame. This is coffee at KYUK.